It's time for Making It Personal, a personalized SC podcast. Let's jump into today's episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Making It Personal podcast. I am your host, Carrie Fersner, and today I am joined by a very special guest. Today we have with us Jennifer Shea, and she is a kindergarten teacher at Westview Primary. So, Jennifer, I will open up the floor for you to introduce yourself to our listeners, and then we'll jump into the conversation. Okay. Hey, everyone. Um, Jennifer Shea, this is my 13th year in education. Um, spent a little bit of time as a literacy coach, and I honestly missed kids a lot. So I got back in the classroom um, and using my literacy to help my little kindergartners go as far as they can. And this is my actual first year with personalized learning. So I'm pretty new at it, um, and my school is using it. So just jumping right in. Awesome. Awesome. Well, before we jump into the conversation, how are you doing? I know this has been a very tumultuous time, but how how are you doing? I'm good. Um, I think last year was craziest for me because I was also pregnant. (laughs) Oh, wow. Oh, wow. That's exciting though. Yeah. COVID with pregnancy was intense and didn't know how I'd interact with all the germs and then, but we're making it and um, have a newborn. So nine month old now. So wow. That's awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. But it's definitely, like you said, tumultuous, different times in education right now, for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, my first question for you is when it comes to the work of student-centered learning or personalized learning, sometimes a common misconception that we hear is that that type of learning, that type of learning environment is only or can only work in certain populations, Mm i.e. some folks say, well, if you're an older student, then that might be a better fit for you, but not if you're a younger student. Um, Or even when it comes to certain ages, grade levels, content areas, things like that. So my first question is, what might you say in response to that? Um, I honestly think it's easier in kindergarten I think as a kindergarten, I've taught kindergarten for, this is probably year eight. Okay. I mean, I took some time, but I feel like you already make it personal in a way. I mean, we do so much of our day in rotations and I group my kids on based, based on what they can do and what they can't do. And then I focus on teaching those skills. So I think you kind of already make it personal. Um, So I don't really feel like that applies to these little people because you teach them what they need. So I feel like personalized learning is geared toward little people as well. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. So I'm kind of going to go back. I know you said you were just starting with implementing personalized learning practices in your classroom. Tell me about how you got started with that. Um, So we actually, our school works with Marie Watson. And so I kind of was voluntold that I was going to be working with her, which is fine with me. I mean, I'm definitely want to try new things. And I feel like as an educator, I always want to learn new things. So um, I jumped in with her and I started slowly, just one thing at a time. I think you can't jump in all the way. You got to do one thing at a time, especially with everything going on with COVID. Right, right. (laughs) So um, I focused on one thing and we just started from there. So we um, focused on the class pledge first, what that meant, 
Um, it was easy to teach my kids about, well, we do the pledge every morning. So what does it look like as a class? So we started there and then I slowly would implement something else. Like we did, we do data binders now. And then we have like a, um, a data wall. So I started small and I just slowly add in another component as I go. Awesome. Tell me a little bit more about the class pledge. What is that? How did you get started with that? How does that work in your class? Uh, well, we looked, obviously there are five, so <laughs> we kept it very, very student friendly and child friendly. Um, but we talked about what it is to make strong choices at school and be a learner and what a learner looks like. So just having those conversations with them openly and, hey, what are our expectations in our school? And then we came up with one together um, that has like user-friendly language for the little people. So um, ours is in our class, we promise to do our best every day. We will respect our friends and our teachers and we will learn every day. So it's just like a little thing and they will get me. They'll say, Miss Shay, we didn't say our pledge. Uh, so they're really committed to it. And then we broke it down. What does it mean to respect our friends? What does it mean to respect our teachers? So it was a little guiding with certain words. But once they like they understood and they can tell you what it means, what it looks like. And then I'm like, oh, are we working on our pledge? And they'll say, no, I wasn't respectful to a friend or no, I'm not doing my best today. So I mean, they show ownership with it. So it was definitely a process. Yeah, I love that. What I'm hearing in everything that you're saying is students having that agency, students co-creating mm -hmm. the expectations of the room. And when you co-create something, then you have a stake in it mm -hmm. and you can take ownership um, in that too. And also it sounds like you're really speaking to like the culture of mm -hmm. your room as well before you even get to the content. Yeah, and that's what we, I think kindergarten, it's harder in early, like later grades to spend that time building community. But I feel like they're so little, this is all new. And I tell them like, this is your home away from home. Like you come in, like I'm, we're all together. We're a family in here. So we even like signed the pledge. So it's posted up in our room. I signed it, they signed it. And I, I talked about make, making a commitment, like don't sign it if you're not gonna do it. Mm. So like they understood. And I mean, like you said, we build that culture and we hold each other accountable. They'll go, oh my goodness, don't do that because they want everyone to succeed, which I love. So I love that. That kind of reminds me. So um, I have a background in middle level education. Oh, okay. And when I first got started on my journey, one of my former colleagues who was in the office of personalized learning, the first place she advised me to start was to create a class vision. And yes. my students helped to create that and they signed okay. it at the end too. So that kind of reminds me yes. of, of that piece. And it's cool to see that if we can do it at the middle school level, you're able to do it at the mm -hmm. kindergarten level. Like we can do it in, we can do this for all students. I agree. And like we, some of us call it their vision, but I feel like with my little people, they really understand pledge mm -hmm. and like pledging to something. So we just changed the lingo a little bit. Yeah. I love that. Thank you. Thank, Thank you for you. sharing that. Of course. So you also mentioned um, data binders, data mm -hmm. notebooks, and I was recently um, speaking with some educators and a question came up, well, how can we personalize learning, um, you know, while infusing data? And mm -hmm. my thought was that, you know, a huge part of making learning personal for students is capturing 
and helping students understand meaningful, relevant data in real time. So talk to me a little bit about how data tracking or um, data capturing is used in your kindergarten context. Um, We started with letters because obviously that's my big push. Um, And some of my kids got their letters down like this. So I actually started with a big sheet that had all like the block letters and they colored in the ones they knew and they got to use markers. So it made it even more fun. (laughs) (laughs) You've got smelly markers and it. I mean, everyone wants to do that. So we did that and then they would graph. Well, I only know four letters. I'm like, okay, so next time we meet, which ones do you want to learn? Like, which ones do you want to focus on? And I usually start with their name. Like, hey, you have an A in your name, you have a T in your name. So we would start there. And then as we taught the letters, I just kept track. Um, And they would come back to their binder and color in as they knew. And then, oh, look, you got four more letters this time. Mm -hmm. And so I tried to make it, we make everything a celebration. And that's what I feel like kindergarten, they love. So once they got all their letters down, they get to make a really nice letter star for the wall. And then we pushed it to letter sounds. Oh, now you know your sounds. And then you get to put glitter all over it. And so they all want to have the glittery star on the wall and they're called letter stars. And so that just like pushed them. And then, then they want to move on to something else. So once they see that they can achieve a goal, I feel like they want to keep going. Mm-hmm. I mean, and my kids will come in. I know my red list for rainbow words and they want me to test them right then there. And wow. I'm like, well, I got to do this, but they see, they see it on the wall. So it's not just their binder. I feel like they're such visual people, like little people. And so when they see, oh, my rainbow only has the red arch colored and they have their whole rainbow. They know all their words and they want to do it. So I feel like that, that pushes them and they have that intrinsic motivation to, Hey, like, I need to learn these. And I mean, it just pushes them with data and they, they push themselves, honestly. Thank you for sharing that. And that, that kind of makes me want to ask another question. So how do you cultivate that self, that self agency and that responsibility and that onus on them um, in your classroom context? Um, I think we do a lot of choice. So I'm not like, Hey, you have to sit down and work on these words. Not what I do. So um, like library, for example, they can choose books. They can build their rainbow words. I have the magnet sound in the words, or they can get flashcards and do them. So it's really like, hey, I prefer to read today. Okay, we'll sit back and read. I prefer to listen to a story. Okay, we'll go ahead. So it's up to them what they want to do. And you'll see them clicking. And then they look at their peers and they're like, oh my gosh, she's working on her orange words. I don't even know my red words. And then they see, I'm like, hey, go get your rainbow. Let's color it in because you know another list of words. And I feel like that teaches them to push a little more. They have that little competition thing going on already. Yeah. (laughs) And so, I mean, I don't push it like, hey, you have to do this. But they start doing it because of what they see from their peers. And then I have some high flyers who will go to library and they'll say, well, I'm going to work on this list. Do you want to work with me? And they'll kind of like that peer teaching, which really works for some of the higher and lower ones when you team them up. So that's awesome. It sounds like a little co-working space (laughs) is going on. That's Uh awesome. So another question that I have, and I feel like you're kind of alluding to this in some of the things that you're sharing, but How do you keep your students engaged in a meaningful way? I honestly let them do a lot of not teaching, but modeling. So if if I can get them up and moving, 
that's what I want to do. Like, you don't have to always have a worksheet. And I mean, I was at a school before where we weren't allowed to use worksheets. So I think that kind of taught me, hey, so we'll pull out Seesaw sometimes and do the online activities. But we also just get up. I'm like, all right, let's do a sort as a class. Or here's a whiteboard. Um, anything to keep them, like you said, engaged, then they're learning. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not going to lie. There are times I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to give you three minutes to doodle whatever you want on your whiteboard. When my timer goes off, marker's on, you're ready to go. And they know. They're like, ooh. And I'm like, if you do really well, you might add two minutes on to the end of the lesson. But those little things that keep them engaged, because they want time to have a little freedom. Right. But um, if I can get them up and get them doing things and kind of teaching their peers, it makes a difference. Like I started letting them do calendar. I'm like, all right, I'm done. I'm stepping back. So I'll be like, who wants to try calendar today? And they'll get up there and be like, what day of the week is it? What mm-hmm. month are we in? Mark this holiday. Cause they watch me and they know, mm-hmm. and some of them are ready. And so anytime when I can get them being a little teacher, I try to. Um, so I just kind of pass that on to them and they can be little leaders. Thank you. So what are some ways that you go about promoting a growth mindset with your students? I heard you say that oftentimes um, if they're working independently, they may see other students Mm -hmm. and they may not be in that same space because everyone's, I'm assuming, is working at their own pace towards Mm -hmm. whatever it is that they need to specifically master. So how do you keep your students with a focus on growth? Um, I think we continue to celebrate. Um, I still have kids who are working on their letter sounds. Um, and then I have kids who know half of their rainbow words. So we always make a huge deal. And my kids still be like, oh my gosh, you know your letters and letter sounds. Woohoo! So just taking that time to be like, okay, well, he's not where you are. But I mean, he's still like, had a goal. He made his goal. Like we're going to celebrate him. And they get into it and they're like, I'm so proud of you. And so... Um, just growing with them because I have someone who already knows almost all their rainbow words. So you kind of have to go with them. So we started small and I just keep going to the next thing. All right. If you're on a DRA eight, we're just going to keep pushing you. Um, but just letting them know like, Hey, that's fine. You can go in and do first grade stuff, but we still celebrate everyone in here. Everyone learns at their own pace. And it's a good thing too, because they can see, in our class with our data walls, they can see who to go to for help. Mm-hmm. Well, hey, you know your letters. You know your letter sounds. I'm still struggling. Can you maybe work with me on that for a few minutes? Mm-hmm. So just like little things like that and just making sure that we're that community and we're supportive of our friends and their learning and we're here for them. I love that celebration piece. I feel like that oftentimes gets thrown by the wayside, but mm-hmm. there's power in that. I can hear oh, it. Yeah. And- and what you're saying. Yeah. Sure. And they, they love it. They're like, Woo-hoo! little things like that. Just really just get them excited and they want to work toward things like that. So, yes. Now you mentioned something a moment ago. Um, you said goal setting. Mm-hmm. What does goal setting look like for kindergartners? So I think there's more teacher guidance with goal setting in kindergarten. And then they get the hang of it. Like my kids know the red list is the easiest. Well, then I want to learn my orange list words. Or then I want to learn the yellow. So they start to pick up on it. And then I kind of have the the data wall in order of what we're trying to work on. 
So it's like, okay, well, here's letters and letter sounds. And then we do the rainbow words. And then for math, we do counting to 100. And then we do it by fives and tens. So they can like see, oh, well, now I'm going to work on this. But I mean, there are kids who are like, well, I want to, they'll say, I want to learn my rhyming words. I'm like, okay, like just from a lesson, I'm like, well, we'll switch it up. That's what you yeah. want to work on. We'll work on that. So, I mean, they, they get to understand what it is and what it's, what's important, but you have to kind of guide them a little more at the beginning, I would say. Yeah, no, that makes sense. How are you able to cultivate your students making <laughs> choices without needing your constant assistance? I hear you saying that at first, a lot of things are very guided when you're first starting yeah. the year, but as the year progresses, how are you able to kind of cultivate that in your classroom? Um, once it's taught, my kids are pretty, like, like I said, like they're little, they're little people. Like they, they know what they can do. They know what they're allowed to do. And we spend a lot of time. I have an amazing assistant. We spend a lot of time teaching them what they can do and how to do it and how rotations work. So for example, they, they get their stuff done then they get to choose what center they go to. And so they have the options. Like if you go to writing, it's not just, oh, you have to write a sentence. You can do a label list. You can make um, a story. You can make a card. You can make a list of something that has to do with March. So all these options are out for them. And we take the time to teach them how to choose, what to choose, and then what to do when they're done. But like computer. Okay. Well, you can do star Fox, You can do teacher monster. So it's not just like, Oh, we're doing groups, right? Like you're, you're going here. It's like, well, I want to work on my rainbow words. So I'm going to go to library and they go up to the board, they move their name and they go there. And then there are times I'm like, well, I'm pulling a group today. So these people are automatically with Miss Shay. These people are with Miss Lupton, but the rest of them know, oh, I'm going to where I want to go. And mm-hmm. so as long as they get their stuff done, they're allowed to choose and take ownership of what they chose and why they did it. So awesome. Awesome. Well, I know there are some of our listeners who are really looking forward to the day when maybe they can come and visit your classroom <laughs> and see all of this in action, because yeah. I know I definitely want to. Yeah, come on over. <laughs> well, thank you so much. We're going to take a quick break, but we'll be right back. educators we know you all are working hard day in and day out to meet all your students needs the scde office of personalized learning wants to celebrate you and the work you're doing we want to help tell your stories share your processes and the artifacts you create as you work to put students at the center of their own learning but we can't do it without you so send us your celebrations stories processes or artifacts to personalized learning at ed sc.gov, tag us on Twitter at Personalized SC, or reach out to your Office of Personalized Learning Regional Coach at personalizedsc.ed.sc.gov. We can't wait to see what you send our way. everyone. We are back with Miss Jennifer Shea, just in time for our special segment that I like to call Making It or Breaking It. So Jennifer, um, I'm going to ask that you share with us either a make or break. A make could be 
something cool that either you've seen happening or that you may happen in the realm of personalized competency-based learning, or a break could be a barrier, a concern, or something that we need to stop doing in education in order to give student-centered learning a chance for our students. So which will it be, make or break? Mm, I guess I'll do a break. Okay, let's hear it. <laughs> um, I think it's hard to, all the testing we do on our little people, I just think that's a lot for a five-year-old and some of them get really overwhelmed. Um, I mean, you have Johnny who can read already and then you have Billy who came in not knowing any letters. It's not really fair to them. So I think that's probably my break is it doesn't, personalized learning and the state testing don't really line up, especially for five-year-olds. Yeah, so I really think that what you're saying is a real feeling that a lot of educators have. Um, regarding testing and the perception of testing. Um, And I also think that um, this is a great time in education where we can begin to start to rethink and reevaluate the purpose of state testing, understanding that our end of the year tests are just one snapshot of students and what they've been able to accomplish or do in a given year, but also just continuing to explore the different formative ways that we can use assessing as learning throughout the year, through our formative assessments, through our checkpoints, through various strategies, and placing the focus on assessing as learning. And I really want to give you kudos because I feel like throughout this entire time that we've been speaking, you've been sharing the different ways that you're allowing the focus to be placed on learning within the classroom context through those different formative checkpoints and through allowing your students to have choice in how they want to demonstrate mastery. And these are the things that are super key and super central to our students continuing in their learning journey and not becoming disenchanted with their learning. That transparency and that choice and that ownership is key. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Well, thank you so much, Jennifer. I've enjoyed our time together. Now, the last thing that I will ask is what advice would you give someone who is just being introduced to student-centered learning practices in terms of where to start? Um, I would say just like with the kids, start small. Like, don't, don't try to be like, I'm going to learn my alphabet. <laughs> like, right. You got to start really small. I mean, if it's a class pledge, then do the class pledge and stick with that and say it every day. And then at the end of the day, talk about it. How did we do today? What can we work on tomorrow? As a class, did we make this goal? Um, and then maybe start with a class goal. Like ours was dojo points. We want to get 200 class dojo points so we can have a pajama party. Like anything, just start small and then work your way in and don't overwhelm yourself. Well, thanks again, Jennifer, for joining us today. We'll be right back to close things out. Thanks again for tuning in to today's episode of Making It Personal. Connect with the Office of Personalized Learning by visiting our website, personalizedsc.ed.sc.gov. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe, 
share with a friend, and tune in for a new episode every month. We'll catch you next time on Making It Personal. See ya!